playoff edition of Blair and Barker. Well, almost playoff edition of Blair and Barker. Season's over. Day before, but thank God we got that thing done. No kidding. Jesus. Yesterday was like six hours of your life you're never going to get back. Jay's, I wouldn't uh, say that. Well, A couple Otto, hours, Otto Lopez and Gabriel Moreno had fine afternoons. The Jays beat the Orioles 5-1 in the nightcap after losing 5-4 in the first game of the doubleheader. She's over. She's done. 92 wins for the Blue Jays. Uh, which is their uh, highest win total since. And go ahead and say it. Since 2015. Go ahead and I say it. I don't need it. to say anything. Go ahead and say it. They need 13 more wins. No, go ahead and That's say it. I... Go ahead and say it. <laughs> no. Go ahead and say it. I need you to say it. Go ahead and tell everybody who said they were going to win 92 games this year. Go ahead. Just go ahead. No, I'm good. Not bragging if it's true, Jeff. Anyhow. How many wins did you say we were going to get? Never mind. The uh, congratulations. Well, congratulations to the Blue Jays. They'd already clinched. What are we congratulating for? Well, they had home field advantage the other day, too. The Jays have home field advantage. Congratulations on getting through yesterday. I was going to say congratulations congratulations on getting through yesterday without anybody getting hurt. Boom. Knock on wood, at least as far as we think. The Jays will open their best of three series against the Seattle Mariners tomorrow at 4.07 at the Rogers Center. The uh, game times released by Major League Baseball yesterday, 4.07 Friday, 4.07 Saturday, and uh, 2.07 on Sunday if necessary, which it won't be. But um, no, it won't be. Jays are going to win. Going three. No, Jays are winning this in two. Okay. I mean, just don't back out. Everybody's going to say every three-game series, everybody's going to pick to go three games. They are? No, sack up and pick a game. You want to be different? Be different. Somebody's going to sweep somebody. It might as well be the Jays. Yeah, I think think they have a tough time hitting lefties, so I'm going to give that Robbie Ray game to the uh, Mariners. Anyhow. Uh, It's workout day today at the ballpark. We should get a better idea on how the Jays are going to set up their playoff roster. That will be the talking point today. We know that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Santiago Espinal were sent home yesterday early to uh, get a workout in at the Rogers Center. Both of them are on the IL now. Just reading, taking what people are telling us at face value and also doing a little reading between the lines, if you can do both at the same time, it really does seem as if Santiago Espinal may be a little ahead of Lourdes Gurriel Jr., although, you know, again, it's... Like anything else, we, we we may not know until tomorrow morning. I think the Jays have till 10, 10 Eastern tomorrow to submit their roster. So they'll get a better read in the health of Gurriel and Santiago Espinal today and then tomorrow morning and make a decision from there. And that's really, I guess, as I said, what today will be all about during workout day. Uh, the Jays... Probably, well, they would certainly know who's going to start the second game of the the wild card series. I don't know why on earth they would tell anybody. I think you wait and see what happens in game one with Alec Manoa, and then you pivot off of that. Kevin and I were talking before he came in the air. You thought I was an idiot for saying that you don't pitch Kevin Gossman in game two, that you hold him back to game three. And then I find out that Buck Showalter's thinking of doing that with Jacob DeGrom. So I'm an idiot. So if, if Buck Showalter's saying that you hold Jacob DeGrom till game three, clearly, clearly you pitch Kevin Gossman in game two. <laughs> They're thinking about it. But uh, the idea being you maximize that arm. I didn't call you for the, for the AL. I would never do that. For the ALC. Well, you know, 
for the ALDS. It, it, it's it's an intriguing thought process. I, see, on I, what you do and I how you go about it. I think it's that difficult. If Manoa wins the first game, you go with Stripling. If Manoa doesn't win the first game and it's elimin and an, it's an elimination game, I think you go with Gossman. That that's that's the yeah, way I get, look well, at it. Well, you're getting greedy. That, that's sort of what you're doing for the next round. That's that's sort of how well, that's not, why you're doing it. You're so not getting greedy. You're, you're hoping if you win the first game, you're hoping Strip can go out and win the second game. You're so you can use Gosman in game one and game five. That's not greedy. That's, that's, that's greedy. That's what you're doing. Right, that's why. Right, that's why you want. Maybe that's why you're backing Jose, him up. Br- you're either Jose Brios or Mitch no, White not, make that I'm start. I'm not saying it's not a bad idea. Oh, well, I'm just saying you're getting greedy. That's why. You, that's why you're not pitching your best two guys oh. in games one and two. Anyhow, well, no. Am I wrong or am I right? It's just. It's it, to me. It's smart planning. But mm. again, it'll depend on what happens. It'll depend on what happens in game one, which is Alec Manoa against Luis Castillo, and. Um, Th- those are the main issues. I mean, we've we've put our our heads together here and come up with the Jays roster, and uh, we'll take a look back. Don't worry, we'll take a look back at the regular season turning points, et cetera, et cetera, all that good stuff. But the roster is going to be the dominant story today, and we kind of put our heads together here, and we have four starting pitchers for sure: Manoa, Gossman, Stripling, and Barrios. We have eight relievers, Romano, Garcia, Bass, Simber, Mesa, Phelps, Pop, and Richards. That's 12. Mm-hmm. We're carrying three catchers, which is 15. We've got five starting infielders. I'm sorry, five infielders, Vladdy, Merrifield, Bichette, Chapman, and Biggio. That's 20. We got five outfielders, Teoscar, Springer, Tapia, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Bradley Zimmer. That's 25. We've got room for one more. Now, my guess is... If Santiago Espinal or Lourdes Gurriel is healthy, one of those two goes on. If they're both healthy, my guess is Moreno falls off the roster or Zimmer comes off the roster. That's that's kind of the way I look at it right now. To me, the two guys with question marks around them, Kevin or Moreno and Zimmer. You'd be shocked if Moreno doesn't make the roster. I will now. I, will, I, will. I, I, I think the fact that he the fact that he played left field, second base, and shortstop yesterday and started a game behind the plate. Um he he's not again. He's not going to be your starting left fielder for any game of the postseason. But I think the Jays realize that if they're going to have both Kirk and Jansen in the lineup, and it looks like they 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 will, uh, you it, it's not bad having a guy around, yeah. having a third catcher I, around. It I really w- is. I would assume with us talking to Alex Anthopoulos yesterday, and his answer was he talks to the manager. The manager has to be willing to use every single one of the guys that you put on the roster. There has right? to be a reason the guy's yeah. on the roster. So, so if you're John, obviously, you would rather have Gurriel and Espinal other than Zimmer. Obvious. Oh, sure, yeah. Obvious. Sure. So that, if those that, two guys are healthy, for me, the obvious guy would be Zimmer's off, Moreno's on. It's an easy roster makeup. Well, no, the, the question is, yeah. would the two guys be healthy enough for both of Correct. them to be on? If both Correct. are not, say Espinal's healthy enough, he's on, L'Oreal's not. And then your roster's made out. So you're only you're only down one spot, obviously. Where it gets you're trying interesting, to make that up. Where it gets interesting is if neither of them are healthy enough. And that raises the possibility, perhaps, of putting you say Kikuchi on the postseason. Does roster. it though? Well, I, who, who are you gonna use more? You say Kikuchi? I I mean, yeah, if you've got you say Kikuchi or Otto Lopez, or Matt Gage is 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 also with the team. Uh but yeah, it does. Um I mean, I think it absolutely raises the possibility of Kikuchi. Everybody you talk to in the way, if you listen, Espinal sounds like he's close. Yeah. Real close. 
Yeah, and and, and Espinal gives you that all important mm. depth at shortstop that nobody else gives you in the event that both. And gets even hurt if you put like Yusei Kikuchi on the roster, doesn't mean you have to use him. No. So no, but th- those are I, I think the mm. the decisions facing facing the Jays and tough decisions. Said, no, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, a tough yeah, deci- I wouldn't think so. A tough either. decision is is having to put a guy on you really, 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 sure. really, 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 really don't want on your roster. Sure, that's a tough decision. Bench running for Zimmer is a thing that John can use. Yeah, yeah, I said it. No, he it, can use that. Yeah, it it's not. Yeah, no, there's no and and again it's the go, the ghost runner isn't in, or the automatic runner isn't isn't in effect in the postseason so you could have the regular extra inning games no i don't think it's that complicated i, I think it, i think it's interesting uh interesting more than anything else and let's face it if both espinal and guriel were healthy there really wouldn't be any discussion and i would assume if they were on the fence about moreno after watching yesterday Got i mean I, first... know, I know it's i know it's two games but he you know he looks like he he knows how to be there which, he is got a, it, which is a big deal. He got his first his first major league home run. Both he and Otto Lopez yesterday had good days. That was, I mean, that's the only thing to take away from 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 yesterday's game. And nobody was got the fact, hurt. and nobody got hurt was the fact that both of those two young guys had pretty good games. They did, and that's good. It, we talked games. about it. Take advantage of your opportunity. I give you I give <clears> you credit. You were the one that said he was going to play a little bit of second and a little bit of third. And a little well, bit they, of I, mean, I don't know if you said second and third, but you did say I said the third outfield. in the outfield. He's been yeah. ta- he's been taking fly balls in outfield yeah, in yeah. the outfield since he's been there, and he's actually he's been working with Jackie Bradley Jr. in early work. They've been getting out there early in center field and in left field. Taking fly balls, so you no. have to have some nerve to use him there. But I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Tough spot. Yeah, it's not a matter. You're only. It's not a matter of having nerve to use a guy. You're you need a you need a third catcher. You have use for a third catcher. All you're doing is making sure that if something happens and you're in a 16 inning game or whatever, that you're not sitting there and saying, "Okay, Gabby, go out there and stand in left field," even though you've never done it before. I mean, at least the kid is has had a chance to to do it a little bit. I mean, that's what those games are for. That's what those mm-hmm. games are for. So anyhow, we mentioned the Jays have 92 wins. That's their most since uh, 2015. And one more than last year when they didn't make mm-hmm. the playoffs. They're 18 games over 500 since John Schneider replaced Charlie Montoyo. So I'm going to ask you this, Kev. Mm-hmm. That, that'll be our are launching off point. If Charlie Montoya, hugely theoretical, I understand. If Charlie Montoya were still managing this team, do they make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they make the playoffs because they have a lot of talent. Are they hosting the three games? I don't think so. I, I just think, well, let, let's, let's look at this a couple of different ways. You know, we were asked, after the game, somebody last asked night. us yesterday in Blue well, Jays talk. It was a good question. Somebody asked us yesterday, "Does this team make the playoffs with Charlie Montoya yeah, I think, still managing?" I think they asked, "What was the turning point of the season? Like, well, what, what was a game? What was a that after but a the, hit?" The question. The question was asked, "Would they make the playoffs?" Yeah, I think they do. Charlie I think Montoya. they make the playoffs. I don't think they're hosting the three games. I, I I just think John seems to be like the guy that's the the grown up in the room and can go to guys and not be afraid to move a guy to the seven hole and don't care really what he says to you. You know, he can say, here's a big giant mirror. Look at yourself. What do you think you would do if you were in my spot? I just think at the time, at the you know, when they were 46 and 42, July 13, when he got fired, they were they had lost nine out of 11 games. They were fourth in the American League East. 
I just think for me, that's the date. And that June 6th, when Stripling became a, a starter every five days, that those are the two dates for me. That sort of the season sort of took shape and everybody was starting to fall into place. And, yeah, I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about the manager thing. But, boy, you can't argue with the way John has handled this team, the things he's done, the changes he's made, how quickly he made them. There was no waiting around. As soon as he was named manager, what happened? The lineup all of a sudden started being shuffled around, and, you know, he didn't let it fester. When they were bad, he started moving people around, and, you know, it was earning it. It wasn't because it's Bo Bichette or Teoscar Hernandez or Matt Chapman. No, it was be if you were hot, you were hitting higher in the order. If you weren't doing that, you were down in the order. So, yeah, I think that was, for me, the turning point, and I think he's one of the main reasons why they're hosting three games. Yeah, I also, I said this as well yesterday, and I, I I truly believe this. I think John Schneider became a better manager when Anthony Bass was added to the no question was added to the bullpen. No question. That move turned out to be just it's huge. It was a huge move for this yeah. team, and yeah. it, it restored. I wouldn't say it restored order to the bullpen, but it it gave the coaching staff and gave John another arm. People call it the circle of trust, gave them another arm to enter that circle of trust. And the trickle down effect was how Adam Simber was used to a certain degree, how Trevor Richards was used to a certain degree, how uh, Jimmy Garcia was used. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was a really, it, it is true. Good players generally make good managers yeah and, they, they, and that that was that was a significant move and, and I had a look I criticized Charlie a lot for the way he used the bullpen I thought there was a lot of times that he, he looked to me like he was indecisive mm-hmm. the number of times he had two guys up mm-hmm. and, and would just choose one guy I mean the number of times I'd see a guy get up three times in a game and not get into the game things of that nature uh John I think is a little more deliberate in how he uses his bullpen. And maybe part of that is because he's a better communicator with the media. That might be part of it. He tends to give you clearer answers than Charlie did. Understanding Charlie talk was, was being asked to speak in a second language. So I, th- I, I think for a lot of people from the outside looking in, they would say John Schneider made, made a big difference. Um, as I said, I, I, I think he was more aggressive. I love the way he used Jordan Romano. And Kevin, you're right about the moving Bobachette down in the order and then moving Bobachette up. Mm-hmm. Bobachette is an example of a guy. He was scuffling. They moved him down. He started hitting. They rewarded him by moving him up. He hasn't stopped hitting. Now that's on Bo. Absolutely. But John Schneider certainly didn't do anything to hurt. Right? And and that's what I look at a manager. When a new manager comes in, the stuff start going well for the team? Is there more positives than negatives? And clearly there was more positives than negatives with John Schneider at the helm. Give the organization credit by bringing Bass in. Now you don't have to abuse Simber, abuse Richards, like they did before Bass got here. Romano turned the corner with routines off the field to be better on the field. Jimmy Garcia all of a sudden started throwing harder because they found a routine. Give him a couple of days between the outings, right? You'll see the best out of Jimmy Garcia. So it was a collection of a bunch of things. I I just think sometimes, and it sounds to me like now obviously we're not behind closed doors in that 
on that team. I just think sometimes it sounds like they needed a grown-up, and John seemed to be the grown-up. Like See, he would, he would raise his that's hand. That's unfair. Well, it's no, that's it's obvious. What well, did it happen? Yes or no? That's unfair. Did, did you move your starting shortstop uh-huh. from the from the two hole to the four hole it's, to the seven it's hole? It's unfair. To, it's unfair to call to to call him a. A grown up, and by that extension, you're saying that well, Charlie. Sort of their Mark, words, not mine. Well, by by that extension, sort of their words. by that extension, you or by the extension of that argument. So you don't think Charlie Montoya is a grown up? Well, I you, you, the, the only uh, thing I know is when you have conversations with players, it sounded like you know sometimes when you had certain guys not living up to expectations, you just let it continued to be that way. Yeah, but that's what is that? That that's that's Charlie's personality. I don't think it's. You can't sit here and you can't sit here and say that a guy who managed a team through the pandemic and went through everything they that that team did that he somehow that he wasn't a grown up. I, I just I don't I don't like that. You know, George Springer does George Springer need a grown up? George Springer's making a bazillion dollars. He's got World Series rings. Mm. Does he need a grown up to tell him what to do? I ask you a question. I don't would, think would, so. Do you think Charlie would have came out and said? About Vladimir Guerrero Jr. that he didn't run hard and he absolutely looking nope. right at the camera and he say would, that. Well, would, what's that? He take? would not have said. That. Well, well, what's that take? Like that, that would tell you. A, that, that would tell you that John Schneider has got more confidence than Charlie Montoya. He's a more confident okay. person. But that doesn't I mean. mean I, guess I just that's don't a, like. That's a that's a different way of saying it. I'm just saying the people that you talked to that was in the room. Obviously, we were not in the room. No, but but I, it's just when you look at how the difference between the way the the team is playing then. And playing now, and how John has treated the superstars on the team like everybody else on the team. If you're not performing, you're not hitting there. If you don't run a ball out, I will call you out. That's maybe maybe the the grown up is a bad choice of yeah, words. Yeah, I think it is because well, it's just but, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, let's not let's you know Charlie can be criticized for being a manager. I I don't think you can criticize Charlie. Charlie the person, Charlie's personality. His personality was, his personality was, was, was what it was. Yeah. It was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, if, if we look at this season, we already talked about the impact John Schneider had uh, on this organization. And, you know, clearly they're playing their best baseball of the year right now. That, that goes without saying. I think they've been playing their best baseball of the year probably. Well, I'm going to say the turning point for me. It probably goes back to that doubleheader in Baltimore. Uh, when Bo just, uh, what, what are the dates? Bo just took off. I mean, there were signs, there were signs, was it Pittsburgh? There were signs that he was coming around. There were signs that he was coming around. Uh, but man, he, he just, it's as close as, it's as close as we saw this year to a hitter putting the team, team in his back and saying, yeah, you know, Follow me. We're going this way. They really needed that. Too. They did. Yeah. Uh, Vladdy hasn't been able to do it at all this year for whatever reason. So I'm looking at, okay, Pitt, here we go. You're right. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, three for five, two for four, one for three. Then the doubleheader. This is the game I'm thinking of September th- 5th, three for five against Baltimore, three for five against Baltimore with, uh, with three home runs. Mm-hmm. From that point on, you know, that, that to me, and I know that the Jays went on and lost on September 6th. To Baltimore, but from that point on, that's where I think they they really started. You really started to get the yeah. sense that they believed in themselves. You really did. Yeah. And, and Bo Bo's take, Bo took his batting average up. Bo took his batting average up, Kevin, 
30 points in a month. Crazy. Playing every day. Like, yeah. that. that is nutty. Yeah, it's crazy. That is, that is nutty mm-hmm. to do that. And I, I think that was, you know, we talked about the team MVP yesterday. I, to me, it comes down to Alec Manoa has just been so important to this team. Mm-hmm. You, I guess you could make a case for Jordan Romano shutting it down in the ninth. You know, I've said Stripping. in the past, Matt Chapman's defense has been important. Ross Stripling, this team, I don't even want to begin to think where this team would be without Ross Stripling doing what he Maybe was doing. Maybe not in the playoffs. I think it's 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 pretty clear they weren't in the playoffs. They mm-hmm. they wouldn't be in the playoffs without him. Bo, I think you would look at and say he he'd be your MVP offensively because of the way he finished the year. You would think, yeah. But I, I keep getting back to the big guy and just what Alec Manoa has brought to this team. Because as much as we sit here and say, imagine how things would have worked out or how things may not have worked out if Ross Stripling didn't come through. Imagine if Alec Manoa didn't wasn't able to do this. And this isn't a guy in his fourth or fifth year. Yeah. Just think about that. That is that is remarkable what he's been able to do. Yeah, I think it says something too about their organization that you could name three or four different guys to give it to, which will tell you yeah. that their team's really good. I, I just like to say that the the organization sort of tells you the way they maneuvered Alec Manoa around to pitch against the best teams down the stretch. It no matter if it was the Yankees, Yankees, Rays, Rays, they didn't care. They yeah. just wanted him throwing against that's the best point. teams that's, down the stretch. That's telling you mattering something. Mattering the most. They told everybody who the MVP of the team was yeah. without actually coming out and saying it. So that's why for me it was Alec Manoa. Who's the most improved player? This is an interesting discussion idea. because – Stripling's the first name that comes to mind. But then I, I went back just for, for giggles and, and, and went back and looked at the stuff that was written about Alejandro Kirk in spring training this year. And, of course, we all know that at one point in spring training, if you put if you put 100 Jays fans in a room and asked them about Alejandro Kirk, 70 would think he's going to be traded, 30 would think he's going to be the opening day catcher. Sure. Alejandro Kirk's ability, first of all, he made the all-star game, which I don't think anybody saw that coming. Nope. But his ability to, for the most part this year, contribute offensively and gradually take on more of the load catching and really step up when Danny Jansen got hurt. I knew Alejandro Kirk could hit. Everybody told me Alejandro Kirk Mm -hmm. could hit. I didn't know if he would be able to stay in shape enough or balance hitting and catching mm-hmm. to the point where when he became the number one guy, well, I expected to see some drop off in hitting. I was frankly shocked at the way he was able to, for the most part to keep that, that equilibrium. And then of course he gets moved into, he gets moved into the cleanup spot by John Schneider. And, and then to me, you know, one of the moments I'm going to remember from this year, regardless of what happens in the playoffs is Aaron Boone telling the Yankees writers that he pitched to Vladdy Jr. because Alejandro Kirk was on deck. Yeah. Like you cannot, you can't parse that any other way. Aaron Boone was essentially saying, right now, I like my guy against Vladdy more than I like my guy against Kirk. That is quite a statement. Yeah, when the visiting manager in September, late in the year, says that. I love, I love all those things about Alejandro Kirk. How, how about Tim Mesa? The Tim Mays this year, I'll just give you some numbers. He was 8-1 and one on the year. Eh, you know what? Who cares about wins? His ERA is 3.14. That's really good. Through 48, point, 48 and two-thirds innings, 44 punches. Yeah. He had a whip of a little over 1.1. 1, 1. He pitched in 63 games. All the things that have went on with him, 
the shoulder, the arm, the elbow, all those things. And for him to be able to put up the year that he's been able to put up and them to have confidence enough in him to throw to all the yeah. other team's best lefties, he's getting them. It ain't like he's coming in facing me. He's coming in facing the legit left-handed hitters on the other team. So I'd like to give Tim a little bit of credit that, where credit's due. Yeah, that's a good so shout. So I'll say Tim Mesa. That's that that's a good shout. That that's a good shout. I hadn't I admit I hadn't given I hadn't Kirk, given it as much as much thought as I should, but yeah, yeah. Tim Mesa's emerged as a very important guy for this for organization. For whatever reason, I think we don't really want to talk about him enough. I don't well, know I, what that reason is. I, Maybe we forget about him. He's To me, he symbolizes what the bullpen's all about. Yeah. Other than Jordan Romano, they're just a bunch of guys who happen to get the job done. Nothing outstanding, well nothing outrageous, but they get the job done. At the end of the day, you look at it and go, how the hell did that? It doesn't matter. They got the job done. Mm -hmm. And for me, Tim Mazes kind of the personification of that outside of yeah outside of but Jordan I like too. that's a good call too yeah I just I both sides of the ball hitting clean up I, yeah, didn't, expect, I didn't expect that from him I'm I, not I, you know what it is too when I saw him in spring training for the first time I didn't believe him I could be I could believe, be honest with you he walked by and I'm like that's that's Kirk yeah and then you actually see him having it bad and you're like holy moly that's Kirk <laughs> so yeah it's it's pretty cool what he's turned himself into and He's going to be hitting cleanup in, a, in playoff games for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, he is. Uh, it's it is remarkable, and, and you know, we'll have this discussion in the off season about uh, what you do with Jansen, Kirk, and Moreno. But right now, it's. I mean, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good problem to have. It it it's really a good problem to have. It's one of the. It's the best. They're the Jays are getting more production out of their catching spot than, than I believe any team in baseball. I could mm -hmm. be wrong. At one point it was, they, they were at the very top. And, um, you know, I think that's something you need to consider before you start in the off season, before you start backing up well, the truck. And your your other out. one was most improved. That's what it was. Yeah. That's gotta be stripped for me. Well, Wait. Kirk was the most improved. Uh, that's, what what was said. the other one? You ask another one too. There was three of them. Most viable player, most improved. That's all. Oh, I know there was another one. Most surprising. I'll throw strip in that. Most surprising. There's no way you would have thought he was going to do what he's doing, and you can't do without him. Maybe Kirk is most surprising more than most improved, and that would allow me to uh, to go with you the other way. Yeah. But I, the <laughs> point is with this team, there's a lot of options, and that's why they're such a good team. And, you know, you're you're makes you wonder if they can make a serious run at this thing. Like – you know, you put them up against the Astros, they can, they they're going to make some noise. They're not going to be easy to beat. Of course they can make a serious run at this thing. But they are very right-handed. Uh, that, 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 you know, Castillo's thinking the same thing that me and you and everybody else that ever watches the Blue Jays, and they're going back to games that when the Blue Jays struggle, how do you pitch to them? Well, they pitch to them the same exact way. Yeah, although... Fastball away, slider away. Righty-lefty hasn't seemed to matter. Lately, for this team, I don't think I don't think it matters to Bo whether he sees the righty or lefty right now. Yeah, um, you know, but Vladdy? once you're I don't once you once you're in the playoffs, you know things. I mean, the scouting, the number of eyes gets narrowed, the focus gets narrowed. Right? It's all about it's it, it it's all about what can we do to beat this team? And you know that the Mariners will have had a lot of eyes on the Blue Jays, and that's what it's all about. And that's where those tendencies really, really, really 
become pronounced. That's why I yeah. said I think it would be really helpful if Lourdes Gurriel Jr. were back because no just he's an option. He's a he's a different guy. He can go he's, the other way too. He's a different guy than 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 you're going to see uh, from a lot if of. If you're the, Seattle game planning against this team, maybe it's not one person. Maybe it's you make a lineup beat you going the other way. That's it. If they can get if they can string together three or four hits to right center field, tip your hat. Um, do you think Anthony Bass tweeted this out last night? God bless him, because I mentioned it in the show. Anthony Bass tweeted out the thing Paul Seawald making the sweeping motion after the Mariners had mm-hmm. had swept the Jays in Seattle. Uh, do you think that series, because they, that series seemed to be, it was after that series that Charlie Montoya was fired. That was a series where all sorts of stuff went wrong. I mean, we talked about it. Dylan Moore's ball off Gurriel's glove. Vladdy's glove explodes. Uh, Moreno makes a costly mistake behind the play. I mean, it was just, it, it was like one thing after another. It was just a horrible series. All your nightmares, all your nightmares combined. Jordan Romano gives up a walk-off home run to, to Eugenio Suarez, all this stuff. And then it ends with Paul Seawald making the sweeping motion. Do you think any of that will matter No, to the Jays? I don't think so. Do you think any of that, these were these were the guys that rubbed our faces in it in Seattle? Like the guy, are guys going to be wired yeah, that way? I think it's one guy. Was yeah, it guys? Yeah, but you know what I mean. One guy, but that becomes guys. Very easy. Like yeah, one I guy guess. becomes guys. I mean, if that's what it takes to get you all fired up, to make you go out and throw strike one with a slider and eliminate people with a slider, I mean, use it. If that's what you think you need to do to, to take you to a whole different level. I, I always thought when you thought about too much stuff, it was worse. You didn't perform at the level that everybody thinks you can perform at. Just go out and not worry about noise around you, and you will be the best of yourself. But maybe Anthony Bass is one of those people that can grip it a little tighter, make it break a little bit more because he's thinking about what a guy did after a series was over. We will be joined by Dave Sims, Mariners broadcaster, and Ron Darling, former Major League pitcher, current TBS and Mets analyst. They will join us later on in the show in the next hour. We're going to go to Barker's back leg bits after the break because we've got, we've got time. We can put those in. We can squeeze those in right now. DMs are open. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. The text line is 590-590. I'll ask the same question I asked in the postgame show. 1 to 10, what's your confidence level in the Jays in this series in Seattle? Who has to have, who has to be the guy for the Jays to win this series? Who in your mind has to be the guy in this series for Toronto? And if you've got some roster ideas, pass them along to us as well. It's Blair and Barker. Oh, I should mention, by the way, this segment of Blair and Barker has been brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 80 million members worldwide, 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. Back with more Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, a reminder that uh, you'll be able to watch the Blue Jays on uh, Sportsnet um, this postseason with uh, your Blue Jays broadcast crew doing the games. That hasn't always been the case in the past, but uh, you'll have uh, Buck and Tabby and uh, Hazelnay on all the games this postseason. Dan Shulman is doing his uh, ESPN radio gig. But uh, you'll have Buck and Tabby and Hazel to take you through this postseason. Of course, all the games are on Sportsnet 590, the fan as well. Ben Wagner with Ben Nicholson-Smith and uh, Arden Zwelling. So again, um, you'll be able to listen and watch the games uh, with the voices you've become used to, the faces you've become used to calling it. Figured we'd go to Barker's Back Lake Bits a little earlier today because we've got a busy 11 o'clock hour. And um, got some, got some, got some interesting. A lot of people weighing in on the John Schneider uh, on our on our little discussion with John Schneider about John Schneider and five ninety five ninety is a text line. Mike in Saskatoon says, uh, and "I love this." He said, "The it's credit Ross. The moves getting Wit, Bass, and Pop obviously have had a huge impact on this team, despite the fact that it made little sense to most of us at the time." I'm putting my hand up here for that. He says, however, with all respect to them, I think the biggest move was still John Schneider. There's clearly such a high level of trust, buying, and accountability with John. It's evident in the way the team has played. You can tell by looking at the body language of the team. And he also said that he thinks that maybe I, <clears throat> I didn't give enough credence when I was talking to you about the fact that he has been a mentor and he has managed a lot of the young guys that he's managing now in the majors, and that makes it easier for them to buy what he sells. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, the the uh, the DM, Mike, and thanks for the kind words as well. And yeah, that that is one thing I I I, I should say you have to acknowledge that John Schneider knows what makes these young guys tick. Yeah, and I still think you know there was a moment in. Um, September, where John was asked in one of his media availabilities why he wouldn't move Vladdy around the way he moved Bo around. And his response was very quick. It was very concise. And it essentially focused on the fact that not everybody reacts in the same way to a decision. That's something you can say when you know the guys involved very well. Mm -hmm. I get back to this. We've always lumped Bo and Vladdy and, and Cavan to a certain, and, and Santiago Espinal to a certain degree. We've, and, and even Teoscar, because he's kind of part of that. We've lumped them all into this group, to, the, to this core group. And you know what? They're not all the same dude. And I think what John's, John's strength, John's underlying strength with this group is he knows them well enough that he knows what buttons he can push. Sure. He knows who responds to what. To what. Mm-hmm. And... I, just, I think that needs to be said. And, that, and Mike, you, you made a good point. That yeah, don't underestimate point. the fact that these guys 
know John. Like, I guarantee you, you know as well as I have, John's given Bo hell at some point when he, as his minor league manager. You know he has. I'm sure he's reamed Vladdy a new one at some point as a minor league manager. Because you have those things. Maybe. Conversely, he may have at times had to do the sort of soft shoulder with these young guys. Mm-hmm. I, I, Mike makes a good point. I don't think you can, uh, I don't think you can underestimate the I think those points that. get the conversation started. I think after that, it's how a manager handles it. And sometimes you got to be quick. It's like pulling that Band-Aid off. Sometimes you can't do it slow. You just got to grab that sucker and rip it right off. And I think that his, his strength. I've been around John quite a bit. And that seems to be the strength of when you walk in the room, you sort of know who the boss is, especially on that team right now. And I think that he's earned that. And he's earned that by what Mike has said there, by what you've said just being around the people that matter and sort of that saying he's sending a message to his team that if I will do it to him, I will do it to all of you. And that's a big deal. I think even at the big league level, you got to sometimes set a little bit of, you know, you're drawing a line in the sand. And John, I just, I just like when John, when he became the manager, he didn't let that go on for a week or two. It was right away. This is what I think will make our team better right now. That might change a week from now, which it sort of did. But I just like how how quickly he did it, and he handled the consequences off the field to each individual player, which is exactly what you need to do at this level. Yeah, that, that's that's really well said. That's really well said, and I think it is it's something you need to uh, something you need to keep in mind. When, when you talk about yeah. the, the managing situation. Terry, uh, Terry Whalen, New Brunswick, wants to know, guys, do you think Charlie will get another managing job anywhere? I don't think he will. <clears throat> I mean, I, How do you I mean, answer that? I don't think he'll get another managing I mean, job, all, not, not in the majors. I, see, I thought John should have got it out the gate. I, I, I didn't even think that Charlie was I, – I, again, it's all about who likes you. I mean, I, Charlie's a good man. He might the way he runs the baseball team might work on another team. It just so happens this year in July it wasn't working when they were forty six and forty two and had lost nine out of eleven. It, it just wasn't working it, then. So it's 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 impossible just to blanketly say absolutely not. No, but It'll never happen again. because so, no, it just it takes one. Again. It just takes one. No, it won't happen again. He'll be he'll be a coach. He's not going to manage. Huh. He won't manage another major league team. Okay. I made this comment about Charlie at the time of his firing. When you look back at what you first thought of Charlie Montoyo when the Jays made the move, and when you look back at what your initial impressions of him were at the time, did he show you anything as Blue Jays manager that made you think, I got it wrong. And I mean this in a good and bad way. I, my first reaction to Charlie Montoya is a lovely man. Absolutely. Um, just a, you know, a really nice man. We know he got his team through COVID. And, and yeah, everybody had to deal with COVID. But trust me, Major League Baseball players, nobody signed up for that. They went through it. And I'm not 
crying for him, and they're not crying for himself, but they, nobody signed up for that. But you know what? They got it done, and they got into whatever playoff structure existed. But when Charlie was fired, I, I asked myself, okay, at any point, did he show me something where I said I felt like, ah, I didn't see that coming. He's a lot better at that than I thought he'd be. The answer is no. Charlie Montoyo, when he was fired, was my opinion of him hadn't changed, which is odd. Usually a manager gets fired and you go, God, that guy, you know, like the classic example for me. Now he didn't get fired was John Farrell. I didn't like John Farrell at all when he left. Mm. I loved him when he came. I was in great conversations with him. Things like that happen. But with Charlie, it was just kind of the same, which almost made me think to get back to your point that perhaps maybe there wasn't enough of a personality there. There wasn't enough of a commanding presence. Uh, Tyler in Toronto. Surprised neither of us mentioned Rymel Tapia's name in the most surprising player category. He said, yes, Strip stepped it up, but we've always known he had the toolkit to do it. He said, he says, Tapia was the total unknown coming into the season, ended up being a big offensive factor, especially in September. He says, I'm surprised at how confident I feel whenever Tapia steps into the box, Tyler. And thanks for the kind words, yeah. Tyler. That's a good show, too. It uh, is. We look, look back to the, and I'm sitting with the guy that broke the Tapia trade a week before it happened because you have pretty good sources, apparently. Um, and, and we looked and talked to people about what they were getting with Tapia. And we had people tell us, we just don't have a guy like this. He may be a different hitter by the time we get done with him. He mm -hmm. may be the same guy, but we don't have a guy like this in the organization. He, he creates chaos he when does. he gets on the bases. Yeah, he yeah. Is, he's like that. He, he, he's, he's just, he's like that trick play. He's like that gadget play that, that you pull out in football or any sport. And yeah, he's the confidence level when mm -hmm. he comes up now is it's, I mean, it's pretty consistent I, with me. I'm so I'm so confident in him that I'm happy he's playing left field in a playoff game. I'm I'm with you. I, I'm I am I'm, with I'm you. Very happy that he is actually starting a playoff game, which we think he in will. Left field. We should. Well, I mean, it's, we should. Two plus two is what? Yeah. Uh, one two. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point, and I I just I just sort of thought that when they got him, they got him for a reason, and this is sort of what he brings. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna just jump off the page with you know the offensive side of the ball, even the defensive side. He'll hit the cutoff guy, but the base running. The creating havoc, I mean, that's and that's sort of what you need in the playoffs. you got to put pressure on some defenses, and he brings that He brings that to the table, which is kind of nice at the bottom of the order. David Wedge makes an uh, interesting point, Kevin. He wants to ask you this. This is a kind of building on the Ross Stripling discussion. And his point, he asked the question, do the Jays make the playoffs if Stripling doesn't have the season nope. that he's had? We don't think he does. Mm-mm. But this is also kind of intriguing. If he doesn't have the season that he has, does that force Ross Atkins into a more dramatic move at the deadline? That's an that's an interesting an interesting question. If Wait. Ross Stripling doesn't have the season that he has, does that force Ross into having to be more okay, aggressive was, at the deadline? Yeah, okay. And maybe he, maybe going in a little more he, in Luis Castillo. He became an every Five-day starter on June 6th. Correct. Charlie got fired July 13th. Correct. At, in, 
on July 13th, they were 46 and 42. Four over, yeah. They had lost nine out of their last 11 games. Yes. Ross was a part of that. They did what they did with Ross as a starter. Okay. So I'm not sure. I I just don't really know how to read into what Ross Atkins didn't do. Because, you know, the Tigers thing and A.J. Hinch and how he was lining up and not throwing certain dudes and basically coming out and saying, here it is. Come and get them. They're available. Yeah. They're here. They can walk they across wanna, the field. They want to play for you. Absolutely. So, for me, I mean, that's, a, that's a great question. But just when Ross started, Stripley started being a starter and what their record was, I'm going to say no to that. The Mariners have a knack of uh, winning close games. They have in the past couple of years, and uh, we've had a couple of folks on the on the uh, a couple of folks DMing me and asking me about that. Should we be concerned about the Mariners' ability? In I close wrote games? it down, right there. Read it. The Mariners won thirty-four one-run games. They lead the majors. I think they may have led the majors last year too. If I'm that's not two, mistaken, two years in a row. Two years in a row. What does that tell you? That they don't score a lot of runs consistently? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, wouldn't that be what that tells you? That would tell you that they have a a good bullpen who knows how to hold leads, but their their lineup consistently adding separation to other teams. Mm -hmm. That will tell you that they got – I mean – they got about four dudes in their lineup who can get it down and get it singing. That means create some separation with the homer. Other than that, you can pitch to them. I think that, for me, is what that says. And can they make a living and go even get past the Blue Jays doing that? They're starting pitching in their bullpen. It's a no-brainer. That's good enough to get them past the Jays. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not lie about it. Like, that, it's good enough. Is their lineup good enough to compete from the time they step in the batter's box until the at bats over well, one through nine in the order, even with missing a couple of we, guys that matter the most. We know that they're team. not going to have Sam Haggerty, who's been really good for them, and Winker, very good utility guy, and, and Winker, who hasn't been that good, but, but he's, he's still left-handed. But he's left-handed. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's still Jesse Winker. Absolutely, he's still Jesse Winker. And, and we know that Julio Rodriguez is back coming. He's coming off a back injury, which would concern me if I was the Mariners with three games on the turf at the Rogers Center, three games in three days. Mm-hmm. Bang, bang, bang. You're not going to have an off day there. Now, granted, he, what did he get? Three hits in his first game back, and then yesterday I think he he's hit a, a great first player. leadoff homer. He's he's he a, great a great player. player. He's a tremendous player. Mm-hmm. I mean, the center field is going to, the hell is going to be played out of center field in no this series question. between him and George Springer. That That's going to be a, mm-hmm. a terrific series. But, yeah, that that's... The Mariners are used to being in close games, and they're used to having to win games through pitching. And I, I do think that there is – I think that that has to help the hitters in some way because I would think you well, – there's pressure on you to perform, obviously, but if if, if you know your pitchers are, are going to keep you in the game, you know that 0 for 2 may not feel as bad – when you go to the plate in the sixth or seventh inning, right? Or that 0 for 3 when you go to the plate in the eighth inning and you're up by a run or down by a run. It I may just not think feel that, as bad. Uh, that says that, that puts so much pressure on your manager in service to always make the right move 
when you're handing the ball to whoever you're handing the ball to. You know, they have Seawall, Munoz, and Swanson who are sort of their big three. Munoz is a dude. Well, absolutely. He is a dude. So you got those three. But it's the what if your starter only goes for? Who you handing the Matt ball Brash, to? Diego well, Castillo. Yeah. yeah, so it's – and those two, those four guys are sort of – sort of. Yeah. So it's – it gets back to those 34 one-run games – how would that play at the Rogers Center in playoff games, which they've never done? So I, I, I for me, I think you can take that stat, and throw it out the window in playoff time. I think the the heart rate will be beating so fast in the in the clubhouse, in the dugout, on the field with the Mariners that I just don't think those things matter. It's about who can slow it down, throw strikes, just be themselves and try and do what they can do and don't go outside the box. So I just think playoffs is different. I mean, I've never played one in, in, in the States. I played a bunch in, in winter ball. I, I would assume it can't be that much bit different, can it? Would you think? I, maybe it can. I, but it's still you catch the ball, you throw the ball, you, you pitch well, you manage well, you have competitive at-bats. What's different about that? It's just the heart rate. Whoever can do that and slow it down, that's why about the first couple innings is I think what you need to watch the most is everybody sort of trying to settle themselves in. And I'm going to watch the first themselves. ball hit the bow. The throwing. That's why I'm going to watch. That's why I hope it's hit to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> like when I, the first six or hit the chat. Listen, no, I had to do a, <laughs> the, the thing. After I did a thing for the website on six to watch in the uh, – It'll be up. It'll be up soon, by the way. And six to watch in the, the you know, the, the wild card series in the, the American League, and then I've got one in the National League going tomorrow. And a lot of them, first round, it's obvious, right? I mean, obviously you're going to watch the pitching. Who's the big guy? Well, Shane McClanahan's got to be good for the Rays to have a chance. Mm. The two guys I picked in the Jays that interest me, obviously Springer, it goes without saying. But I think Bo, because Bo's last playoff game. A couple of errors led to four unearned runs in that game. We know that Bo's been the guy offensively, but Bo's also statistically one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball. He is statistically. I, it doesn't mean he's a bad player, but he is. And I, I think he and Rymel Tapia are the guys that are. Tapia is going to be, you know, Tapia is going to be coming up in a big situation. And they got one lefty they can throw out there, Matt Boyd. They got one lefty they can throw out there. Yeah. I think those are the two guys that are going to really have an impact on this series. I'm I'm hoping Bo has a series for all time because coming off this year, if Bo has a big playoff series, like I don't even want to think about where that could end up taking him this year. Mm-hmm. Because if he's feeling really good about himself, if they get through the first round and he's feeling really good about himself going into division series, that could be really that could be really something. Yeah. I look at Chapman too offensively. Down the stretch, he's been easy to pitch to one pitch. Elevate a little bit of a fastball. If you're Seattle, you see that. It's a no-brainer how you're going to attack him. On the flip side of that, if you're Chapman, you're thinking, Okay, all I got to do is sit heater. If I get the foot down and try and get it level as possible and stay through the baseball, I could have a good series. So be looking at him too. Dave Sims is the Seattle Mariners play-by-play TV voice. Ron Darling needs no introduction. I'm going to give him one anyhow. He's MLB on TBS's analyst. He's also the Mets analyst and a former major leaguer Dave Sims, Ron Darling will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on 590, 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.